I know many of you know me, in case you don't. Uh, my name is Rich, and uh, I get to uh, just share with you this morning. Uh, again, my name is Rich, but if you look in the bulletin on your note page, I'm also known as the stunningly good-looking youth pastor. And so um, everybody's a joker, uh, so uh, somebody just decided to play a little joke on the youth pastor, but we just speak truth here, and so uh, that's what's happening. Explain why my wife and I keep having kids, because um, I am the stunningly good-looking youth pastor and just trying to stay humble. So uh, there you go. But uh, really excited um, that I have the opportunity just to uh, share with you guys uh, this morning. And I'm going to be saying a phrase several times uh, to you today, probably so much that you're going to get sick of me uh, saying it. But the phrase that I kind of want you to remember as you walk out of here today is this. Uh, the direction that you choose to go will determine where you end up. The direction that you choose to go will determine where you end up. In life, we do not drift to destinations. We, we intentionally set ourselves on a path that takes us to a specific place. And so the direction that you choose to go is going to determine where you end up. Now, that is an incredibly basic and simple concept to understand uh, when it comes to just driving or walking or hiking or whatever it is. And we all know that if we're driving and the destination that we want to go to is Chicago, we know that you don't get on 80 East to go to Chicago. 80 East is not going to take you where you want to go. We all know that if we get a weekend off and we want to spend that weekend at Cedar Point, and our destination is Cedar Point, we all know that if we get on 15 South, that is not going to take us to our destination. Those directions, that path, that road will not take us where we want to go. And it's such a simple, basic concept when it comes to driving or walking or hiking or whatever it is. But what I often see in life, what I often see in life is this huge disconnect, this huge gap between where people want to end up and the paths they choose in their life. A concept that is so clear and a concept that is so simple and a concept that we all understand when it comes to driving or when it comes to walking or when it comes to hiking, for whatever reason, gets so clouded and so muddied in life. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have people tell me all the time that they want to have great relationships in their life, but the paths they take in their relationships are not leading there. I work specifically with teenagers, and I'll have teenagers tell me a lot, man, I just really want to have a good relationship with my parents. But when I look at their life, the paths that they take in their life are not leading there. I've talked with people um, who, who, will, who will talk about their weight, and, and they'll say, man, I'm just, I, I just wish I could lose some weight. I just wish I could drop some pounds. I just feel awful. And man, I just need to get on weight, but my metabolism, it's slow and all this kind of stuff. And they'll talk about how they want to lose weight. But then the next day, you see them at the old country buffet on their fourth plate of fried chicken. And I'm like, dude, your metabolism's not your problem. You know, the four plates of fried chicken, that's the problem. The old country buffet is not a path to weight loss. I'm sorry for going there for lunch today, but that is not the, uh, the path to take. 
Um, I was talking um, to, to, a, to a couple, this was, this was a while ago, but um, uh, I do, uh, all of us do as pastors, we all do premarital counseling and we have opportunities to marry people and all that kind of stuff. And I was talking with them, one of the, one of the, um, one of the um, what am I trying to say, expectations that I have uh, when I, and that we all have whenever we do premarital counseling is we don't care what you have done up to the point that we start counseling in your relationship. But from the point that we start premarital counseling to the point that you get married, we ask you to stay sexually pure. If you weren't that way beforehand, hey, it's, let's forget about that. But from the moment we start counseling to the moment you get married, we, we expect you to stay sexually pure, to honor God's principles and, and, you know, in, in your relationship and everything. And, and so I was uh, counseling a couple one time and and uh, they were, uh, you know, they came to me af- afterwards, and, and they were like, um, Rich, we, we blew it. You know, we're sorry. During the counseling, we, we ended up, you know, having sex and all this kind of stuff. And, and so we just started talking about that. I'm like, well, just tell me, you know, exactly what, what happened. And, and they were like, we, we really don't know what happened. I mean, you know, we were just laying together, and, you know, he, she started taking my shirt off, and I started taking his, and then next thing we know, we're in our underwear, and, and we just, I don't know what happened. We just ended up having, and I'm like, are you serious? That's the path that leads to having sex, you know? That's, that's the path. That's the direction that you choose. When you do that, your body is not saying stop. Your body is saying go, and it's just like we're so good at deceiving ourselves into thinking that if we're going a certain direction, that it's not going to end up at a specific destination. And uh, I'll I'll have people tell me that all the time. I'll have people say that they want good finances, but the paths that they take in their finances are not leading there. People who want good health, um, but the paths that they take in their health are not leading there. And every path, again, has a destination. But we are so good at deceiving ourselves into believing that, hey, I can stay on this path and avoid the destination. And I want you to know, you can't. No, you can't. You are choosing the direction, and the direction determines the destination. And so, I guess all I want to talk to you about this morning is, is I just want to talk to you about how we can all choose to get on a good path. How can we all choose to get on a right path, a path that is going to take us to where God wants us to be? And that's, I'll just be honest, that's why I just love God's Word. And if you need a Bible, you can go ahead and put up your hand, and Usher will be around, and they'll give you a Bible. But we're just going to look at some concepts in God's Word that, that say, hey, this is how you can get on a right path in life. And that's why I love the Bible, because the Bible is, is God's roadmap for us. The Bible offers us principles. The Bible says, if you want to end up here, then, then go this way, and, and that will take you there. If you don't want to end up here, then don't do this, because if you go this way, then this is where you're going to end up. And that's why I love God's Word, because God wants us to have a thriving life. He wants the best for us, and He lays out those principles in His Word. And if we follow the guidelines, if we follow the principles in His Word, I just believe with all of my heart that we will have God's best in our life. And so, we're going to go ahead and just look at a couple verses. It's in Proverbs chapter 3. You can go ahead and turn there, Proverbs chapter 3. It's right towards the middle of your Bible, right after the, the book of Psalms. But Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at two verses, verses 5 and 6. And once you find that, would you just go ahead and stand with me? 
And we're going to go ahead and read these two verses together. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Let's go ahead and read 1, 2, 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Continue to stand and I just want to read that to you uh, just one more time. And all I want you to do is just listen. And, and just as we did during the worship time, just, just take this in. Just receive this from God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You can go ahead and have a seat. We're just going to tear the, that, those two verses apart and look at exactly how we can have straight paths. And the first, the first way to have a straight path is, is simply this. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The word trust means a firm reliance on the integrity or the ability of another. So if you are trusting someone, you are, you, you are trusting in their ability to do something for you. You are trusting in their integrity, their character. And so whenever I have my kids and whenever I grab my kids and I, I toss them up in the air, they expect me to catch them because they, they trust me. They, they know my character. They know what I'm like as a dad. And so I don't grab my son, Ezra, and toss him up in the air. And I'm like, oops, oh, sorry. Uh, that's just too bad. Gotcha. You know, I don't, I don't do that. You know, I pick him up and I throw him up there and I catch him. Because I know if I drop him, then that's probably going to hurt, you know. And so I have, my, I have the best interests in mind for, for, for my kids. And they've learned that. And, and, and so because of that, they, they trust me. They trust in my ability to catch them whenever I toss them up in the air. And not only that, but they trust in my integrity that, that I just love them to death and I just want the best for them. And the Bible is telling us, hey, that's what it means to trust in God. You trust in God because of his ability and you trust in God because of his integrity. So many times, uh, so many times our trust in God is based off, off of our circumstances. When, when things are good, God is good. And we're just thriving and praising him and, and just being, woohoo, God, we love you. And, and when things are good, God is good. But when things are bad, God is bad. God, why do you do that? This is awful, God. You're no good. And, and so we, we base who God is off of our circumstances. And just so you know, one of the worst things one of the worst things that we could ever do is, is base our circumstances or, or base who God is off of our circumstances. That's one of the worst things we could do because our circumstances change all the time. Who God is cannot be based off of what is going on around you because what is going on around us is going to change all the time. It, it, it's just life. It's just a reality. There's going to be good times. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be mountaintops. There's going to be valleys. It's life. But in the midst of all of that, God does not change. And we have to base our trust in God off of his ability and off of his integrity. Because 
See, we have a creator and God does not. We have to have food to survive, but God does not. We have to have electricity and energy uh, for heat, but God is his own power source. We need a purpose, but God is his own purpose. We can get sick, we can get hurt, we can get killed, we can get distracted, we can get swayed, we can get afraid, but God is never in danger. He never wavers, he never sleeps, he never gets nervous, he never hasn't been. Nothing is beyond him, nothing is above him, nothing is too hard for him, and anyone or anything that looks to God is always looking up because he is above all things. He is the eternal, self-existing, self-sufficient creator of all things. And because of that, we trust. We trust that what he says to do is, is the right thing to do. We trust that when we're going through good times, that God is with us there. We trust that when we're going through hard times, that God is with us there. One of the, one of the best, best examples that I've ever seen of that just happened uh, just this past Monday for me. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a dear family in our church. And this has been, if you're on our prayer chain, this has been out on the prayer chain and, and everything. So it's, it's not a secret, but a dear family who has been, uh, who's virtually served in every area of Grace Community and, and just are such incredible servants and such caring people and everything. But um, it's the McBrides, Quirky, Quirky McBride, um, his wife, Cheryl, their two kids, Mariah and Dakota. Well, a few weeks ago, um, Quirky was diagnosed with cancer. This was just a few weeks ago. And, uh, and so the doctors have been treating this and just trying to do all kinds of things. And then just this past Monday, just this past Monday, they, they get the news that um, this is just an aggressive, aggressive form of cancer. And, and in spite of the treatments, in spite of what's going on, in spite of everything that they're trying to do, the treatments just aren't going to keep up with it. And, and they basically said, um, Corky, there is nothing medically that we can do for you. There's nothing we can do. Treatments are just actually going to make it worse. And so we're just going to stop treatments. And so basically, they're telling Corky this. um, Unless there's a miracle, you're going to die in a a few weeks. And um, Pastor John and I go to the hospital, and we're there when they're getting, you know, when they get this news and it's just like one of those times, what do you do, you know? What do you, what do you say? There's nothing that you can say in that situation. And then um, we take them home. Uh, because It was like really snowy on that day. It was just awful. And so um, Corky is in no condition to drive, and Cheryl was just in no condition to drive. And so, so um, Pastor, Pastor John and I take them home, and we get home, and, uh, and, and they're like, we need to tell our kids. And so they bring uh, Mariah, their teenage daughter, and Dakota, their teenage son, in the room, and, and they— we're just sitting there and, and uh, they tell them, they're like, um, guys, daddy, unless God does a miracle, daddy's going to die. And we're sitting there and there's weeping and there's crying and, and I'm just in there and I'm trying to keep it together, but I'm a mess, you know, and, and just all kinds of stuff that's going on. And then they said this, they said, but we are going to trust God. We are going to trust God through this. And I'm like, where does that come from? How can people in the midst of the absolute worst 
thing that could ever go. Where, where do they get that? They get that because they know what God can do. And they know what God is like. God is who he says he is. God does what he says he will do. It's a truth about who he is. And in spite of what's going on around us, we, we trust him. And, and in spite of how we feel, we trust him. And, and we trust that what he asks for us is the right thing to do. And it's the best thing to do, even though we may not understand it all. We trust God. And then we're told, <clears throat> when you read on, we're told, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust in what you think is best. Don't trust in what you think you know what you need. Lean on God. I think one of the things that often keeps us from trusting God is we often feel we know what's best for us. We feel like we know what is best for us. I, uh, again, I, my primary responsibilities here at the church are working with teenagers. I love middle school students. I love high school students. That's what I do. But working with uh, teenagers also means that I have the opportunity to work with parents as well. And so I do a lot of, you know, I'm working with adults too. And, and so I'll often have parents come to me and talk to me about their, about their teenagers. And they'll say things like, my teenager just, they think, they, they just think they know it all. And it's so frustrating, you know. They think they know what's right. They think they know what's best for them. They think they know it all. And I keep telling my, my, my teenager, I'm like, you're 15. You don't understand. You, I, I have more life experience than you. I know where this is going to lead. I understand where this is going to lead. And, 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 and I'll hear parents say that stuff about their teenagers. But how often do we as adults do the exact same thing with God? How often do we respond in, in such a way that, that tells God, God, I think I know what's best. I think I know the right way to go. This is what I want, God. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And I can just see God up in heaven saying something like this. What, what are you, like 40? <laughs> you think you got life figured out? Come on, man. I'm, I'm like forever. Just a note, I created life. Maybe the principles that I give you in, in, in my word, in, in the Bible, maybe that's the best way to get through life. And, and we just have this arrogance about us, this pride that keeps us from leaning on God and that takes us our own direction, that takes us our own way. And that's why we're told, lean not on your own understanding, but lean on God. The, the Hebrew word um, for, for lean, um, Old Testament, was written in the Hebrew language. The, the specific word that's used there for lean simply means this, to rely. To rely on something. To let something bear all of your weight. And we're told to rely on what God says is best rather than what we think will make us happy. Rely on what God says is best rather than what we think will make us happy. And so every day, if we want to be on a right path, if we want to be on a good path, we have a choice. We will have a choice to make every single day. Am I going to lean hard into God? Am I going to allow God to bear all of my weight? Am I going to rely on him or am I going to rely on my own understanding of things? And just to be honest with you, this is tough. 
this is, I'm, I'm making no, uh, giving you no delusions that this isn't going to be hard because there is often a tension that's involved between, between being on a right path and, 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 and doing what we think will make us happy and being on a path that, that goes, is contrary to God's word. It's tough because there are often times whenever we're on a right path that it will mean that it's contrary to what we really want or what we really desire. And I have people tell me this again all the time. They'll tell me, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Don't you think God just wants me to be happy? Isn't that what God wants for me? Doesn't God want me to be happy? I just want to be happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? And yes, I believe that God is concerned about our happiness, but, but people searching to be happy all the time is what leads to addictions. People searching to be happy all the time is what leads to adultery. It, it's what leads to sexually transmitted diseases. It's what leads to, to bad relationships. It, what, it's, it's what leads to, to out-of-control debt. People searching to be happy all the time is what leads to, to broken families and, and, and children and husbands and wives that, that are, are just broken over choices that are being made. And uh, whenever I was in seminary, I learned this, this fancy theological word for, uh, for looking for happiness outside of God's boundaries. And that fancy theological word is just this. It's called sin. Whenever we look for our happiness outside of the principles of God, outside of the boundaries of God, stop sugarcoating it. It's sin. You are violating the principles that God has laid out in his word. And the reality is there are going to be times when what you think will make you happy goes against what God says to do. And is God concerned about your happiness? Yes. But I'll tell you this, God is more concerned about your holiness than he is your happiness. There are going to be times when what we want, when what we, when what we really crave, when what we really desire, when what we really think will make us happy, there are going to be times when we look at it and we compare it to God's word, to his principles, and we're going to see this is not lining up with what God says to do. This is not going to make me holy. It might make me happy, but this is not going to make me holy. And if you're here and you're a, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're somebody that says, Jesus, I want you to take charge of my life. If that's you, the Bible says that you specifically have the Holy Spirit of God, the very presence of God living inside of you. And that literally means that God has made you a new person. He's, he's given you a new heart. He's regenerated your heart, your, your desires. And the regenerated heart... The main passion, the main purpose of a regenerated heart is not happiness. The main pursuit of somebody that has a regenerated life, that is a new creature, the main pursuit is not happiness, it's holiness. And we have to understand that there are, yes, going to be times when what we think will make us happy is going to be contrary to what God says will make us holy. And in those times, we have a decision to make. Am I going to lean on my own understanding? Am I going to rely on my feelings? Am I going to rely on what I think I want, what I think I need? Or am I going 
to rely on God. When, when the way we view things conflicts with the way God views things, to be on a right path, we have to be willing to trust God and rely on his directions rather than our own desires and, and wants. One of, one of Satan's goals for your life, one of Satan's goals for my life is, is this. Satan wants you to not be able to trust God. One of Satan's goals for your life is he is trying to get you to not trust God. And, and all you got to do is go to the first book of the Bible, read up to chapter 3. And you'll see that in chapter 3, that's exactly what Satan did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Satan twisted what God said and got into their minds and basically said, Adam, Eve, God is holding out on you. You deserve better. God's way, it's not bad, but it's not going to make you incredibly happy. This way will make you happy. You just got to look at it and you just see that he basically got them to not trust God. And it's the same thing that he does to you and to me today. That voice in the back of your head, whenever you're given that choice, am I going to go with what makes me happy or am I going to go with what makes you holy? That voice in the back of your head that says, you deserve better. It's only one time. It's okay. God didn't really mean that. That's Satan. That is Satan talking to you, trying to get you to not trust God. And when everything inside of you is screaming for something that will take you off of God's path, that is when, if you want to be on a right path, that's when you have to lean on God with all you have. And say, God, I am, I'm screaming for this. I want this. I desire this. But God, I desire holiness more. And so I am going to trust you. And I'm going to rely on you. And I'm going to lean all of my weight on you. And then the Bible says this. It says, if you want to be on a good path in life, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then it says, in all your ways, Acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Not in some of your ways. Not in a few of your ways. Not, uh, I'll acknowledge God at Grace Community on Sunday mornings, but I'll do my own thing the rest of the week. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And you could take that word acknowledge and, and, and replace it with the word submit. And, and so it would read this way, in all your ways, submit to him. Relinquish your rights. Let Jesus be in charge of all your ways and, and how you treat your kids and how you treat your husband or your wife, in your friendships, in your schoolwork, in your health, at your job, in all your ways. And what you watch in te on television, in the websites you visit, and what you post on Facebook, and how you talk to another person, in all your ways, submit to him. And what that means is you learn to live your life with the idea that your relationship with Jesus is not a part of your life, but your relationship with Jesus is 
your life. It is your life. You follow Jesus. You embrace. You embrace his way of life. It's not a part. It's not a compartment. It is your life. You listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. Because if you don't, if we don't do that, that is when we often will get in trouble. We will often get in trouble when we try to get ahead of God. And we probably all (laughs) could talk about times whenever we got ahead of God and it just got us in trouble. And again, wherever you are at in your life right now, wherever you are at financially, wherever you are at physically, wherever you are at spiritually, wherever you are at financially, wherever you are at in your life, you did not drift there. You intentionally chose a path that has taken you to be where you are today. And, and often what, what I've, again, in talking with adults and talking with teenagers, what, what I've seen happen, the conversations I've had is often go like this. Um, when you stay on a certain path for a certain amount of time, you'll get to a point where you look at your life and you think to yourself, this is not what I thought it would be like. This is not at all where I expected to, to, to be at at this point in my life. This is not at all how I thought that it would turn out. And, and a lot of times what happens is we get, we get frustrated and we get angry and we take that frustration and we take that anger and, and we direct it to God. And, and, and we, we say things like this, how could God let this happen? How could God cause this to happen? Everybody talks about how great God is and how good God is, but look at my life. It's awful. How could this happen? And we turn that anger to God when the reality of the situation is, and I'm I'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like this, but the reality of the situation is this. God is not responsible for your stupid decisions. God did not make you max out your credit cards. God did not make you go have sex before you get married and and catch some sexually transmitted disease. That's not God's fault. God is not responsible for our dumb decisions. How can we expect God to bless our lives and to show us his favor whenever he says, if you want my favor, if you want me to bless your life, Follow these principles. That's, that's what he says. If you want what's best, I've laid it out right here. Follow this, you will have what is best. And our arrogance, our pride gets in the way, and we say, no, we know better, and then we end up in a place where we never, ever expected to be. The direction you choose to go determines where you end up. You and I are choosing the direction. And again, the direction you choose to go determines where you end up. And the really difficult thing is oftentimes we don't realize it right away. Because we can get away with stuff for a long time. Oftentimes the choices that we make, we're not facing the, uh, the consequences of those choices for 
many times, years and years and years to come. But the direction you choose today is going to impact your life. And it's going to impact the life of your family for years and years to come. The right paths become clear for us when we submit to the one who knows what's best for us better than what we know is best for us. And so if you want to be on the right path, if you want to be on a healthy path, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, in all your ways submit to him. And then what does the Bible say? And he will make your paths straight. He will make your path straight. He will remove the obstacles that get in the way and he will show you how to get on the right path for your life. He will remove those obstacles that get in the way of his goal for your life. And, and just so you know, God's ultimate goal for your life, God's ultimate goal for my life, the ultimate goal that God has for you and for me is simply to become more like Jesus Christ. That is when we follow the principles, the path that he lies, lays out in his word, when we follow that path, it is always going to take us to his ultimate goal for our life. And his ultimate goal for our life is simply to become more like Jesus Christ. Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. In other words, he will make the, he will make the way clear and he will show you and me how to become more like Jesus Christ. Because that is his ultimate goal for us. And if you're not cool with that, if you are not cool with God's ultimate goal for your life, then you and God are always going to be at odds. There is always going to be this tension between you and God. Because if you're not willing to submit to that goal, that, that purpose that he has for you to become more like Jesus Christ in your life, if you're not willing to submit to that, then you will always be choosing a path that is away from God. But if you are cool with that, if your goal lines up with what God's goal is, then you're choosing a path that takes you toward God and that will make you more like Jesus Christ. And, and for some reason, we get this idea that when we live for God, that it's not a great life. For some reason, we get this idea that, that when we live for God or if we try to follow God's principles or if we try to do what he says to do in his word, that, that we're going to be trapped or, or God's going to hold us back. God's going to keep stuff from us. And, and again, that's, not, that's Satan talking to you. That's Satan saying that you cannot trust God. But honestly, how many of us, how many of us have taken matters into our own hands and have basically looked God in the face and have said, God, I know better than you? And have come to regret it. When I look in my rearview mirror, oh my goodness, I see a ton of times that, that, I, that, I, that I look back and I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? And when we go our own direction, when we take our own paths, the Bible says that's going to lead to a specific destination. And Galatians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 says this. When we go our own way, when we take our own paths, 
This is what waits for us. This is the destination. This is Galatians 5, uh, and this is the message paraphrase. It says this, It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. A small-minded, uh, small-minded lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. And, and as I'm reading that, some of you might be thinking, dude, you just described my family. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of sounds like what my family was like, you know, a lot of times too. But doesn't that just sound great? You know, you read that and, and I mean, we all need a little more mental and emotional garbage in our life, don't we? That's what I crave. I just crave more drama. I just love drama. Man, just love it. Just, just crave it. Just want more of it. You know, don't you want that? Uh, we all need a little more paranoid loneliness in our life. We all need a little more all-consuming yet never satisfied once. We all need more stuff like that. And what is really scary to me is when left to myself, the paths I choose will always lead to those things. May not happen right away. Sometimes we don't face the consequences again for, for years down the road. But every path has a destination. When you choose your own way, that's the destination you're heading for. But if I trust God, if I rely on him, if I submit to him, he makes the way, the way clear for me to become more like Jesus. And if that's the direction that I choose, if I choose to become more like Jesus, this is where I end up. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we align our goals up with God's ultimate goal for our life to become more like Jesus Christ, that is the destination. And I look at that and I'm like, that's what I want. You know, when I read that list, like which one of those don't you want? I want more love in my life. I want more joy in my life. I want more peace in my life. I want more goodness. I want more kindness. I want more self-control in my life. And whenever I line myself up with the principles of God's word and with his ultimate goal which is to become more like Jesus Christ, that is the destination that waits. That's the destination that's ahead. The direction you choose determines where you will end up. And I just want to wrap this up um, just by speaking to uh, four different groups of you. Um, you're, all of us are probably going to fit into one of these four categories that, that I'm just going to mention. We're just going to wrap it up like this. There, there are some of you um, that, that are just really thriving. There are some of you that are here, and, and as I'm talking this morning, you're, you're thinking to yourself, 
Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I am, I am trying my hardest to line myself up with the principles of God's word. And, and, and I'm really trying. I'm not perfect. I, you know, I have this path that I'm trying to follow. And every once in a while, I'll veer off that way and I'll veer off that way. But I always, always try to get back on the right path. And, and if that's you today, we don't hear this enough. But, but I just want you to know this. I really believe with all my heart that God is proud of you. We don't. I don't think we hear that enough. God is proud of you for, for, for striving to follow him and for striving to stay um, within his boundaries and within his principles. Man, that just makes God just so happy. And God is so proud of you for doing that. And then there, there are others of you who, you know, you look in your rearview mirror of life and, and, and you see decisions that, that you made and, 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 and that were just bad decisions. And you think to yourself, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? And even right now, you may be facing the consequences of those decisions because every choice has a consequence. And so you may be, you know, facing the consequences of those decisions right now, but you really are striving to be on a good path. You've, you've realized that, that what I did in the past, it was wrong, and it, it took me to places I didn't want to go, and I understand that now, and I've gone to God, and I've said, God, I'm sorry for not following your, your guidelines. Forgive me. And, and right now, you're really striving to be on a good path. You still may be facing the consequences, and there's just nothing we can do about that because there are always consequences, but you're really following God. And I just want you to know, God is proud of you. God is proud of you. And even though you may be facing those consequences, he's going he's to help you through those consequences. And then there are others of you who you hear this and um, you're basically like, whatever. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And, and you basically are saying, I don't care. I just don't care. I am going to do my own thing. This is what makes me happy. This is what I want. This is what makes me feel good. And I really just don't care what the guy in the black shirt is talking about today. Um, and if that's you, hey, that, that's okay. But I want you to know this. Galatians chapter 6 says this. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. And you may be getting away with something now. You may be getting away with it. You may even get away with it for years and years and years and years to come. But mark my words, a day will come when God will say, I'm not going to be mocked anymore by your lifestyle. It's time for you to reap what you sow. And then the last group um, that's in here is there may be some of you that are in here and, and um, you're looking at your life and you're thinking, this is not where I thought I would end up. This is not where I wanted to end up. And on the inside, you just, feel, you just feel dead. And on the inside, you're just not, you're just like, what am I? This is not what I expected. Whenever I had dreams, whenever I had goals, whenever I had desires, I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I would end up where I am. And I just feel empty on the inside and hopeless. And I want you to know if that's you today, God offers hope. And none of us, none of us in this room 
and I will put myself at the front of this line. None of us in this room can ever get on a right path unless we have the living God on the inside of us, helping us and directing us and guiding us. And I want you to know that if you today feel like you're, you're hopeless and, 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 and there's just nothing, I, I, just, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. If that's you, I want you to know there is hope for you. And it starts just by saying, Jesus, take charge of my life. We cannot do it on our own. We will not want to do it on our own. We have to have something greater than our desires. And who's greater than our desires? God. God on the inside of us. And so we're going to get ready to sing. But if you just go ahead, um, just close your eyes right now. Let's bow before God. But if that, is, if that is you, maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe, uh, but, but you're just like, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just messing up big time. What you need to do is just repent. And repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry, and I will no longer from this point on go to that path. If that's you, just take, just take a second before God and say, God, I repent of this. I turn my back on this. Will you go ahead and do that just for one moment? And then if you're here today and and you've just never, ever uh, made a decision to follow God, you've just never, ever gotten to a point in your life where, where, where you say, God, I... I need you in my life. I need you. If you've never done that and you're at a point now where you're just empty and you just, you've lost all hope, I want you to know the God of the universe offers you hope today and he wants to take charge of your life. And if that's you, just take a minute. Just say, say something like this to God. Just say, Jesus, take charge of my life from this day on. Forgive me of what I have done in the past that has violated your guidelines. Be the leader of my life, and from this point on, take charge. God, I, uh, I just offer um, this group of people to you right now. God, all of us, I, I know, Lord, that all of us are at a place uh, where, where we all need you, God. We desperately need you. And God, I pray for the men. I pray for the women that are in this room. And I ask God that you in the name of Jesus Christ will help them to understand that Satan is a liar and that he is telling them lies. And he's saying that they don't need God. They don't need to trust you. But God, help us to understand truth. Unblind our eyes. Let us see just the path that your word puts us on. And the, the, just allow us to see you guide our lives from this point on to your ultimate goal, which is to be more like Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.